On this week's episode, Chris gives a big old Batman rundown, we dissect the Avengers Endgame trailer, and give a huge list of options for non-Marvel or DC delights. It's all happening now on Cover B. Hey everybody, welcome back to Cover B. I'm T, I'm here with Chris. Hello everyone. It is drawing nearer and nearer to Christmas. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. And it feels a lot like Christmas. It's been Today, friggin' cold this today's week. Today's episode's guest star, Bing Crosby. <laughs> I'm using using this on my, my demo reel. <laughs> I think it. I my favorite part is just finding mm. out what is going to be the song of choice for you. <laughs> yeah. Because despite what? the fact that I was the voice minor, you're <laughs> the one who sings every show. What weird thing is Chris going to sing? <laughs> could be Tupac, could be Britney Spears, you'll never know. <laughs> well, this week we know it's Bing Crosby. It's Bing Crosby. It's Christmas time. It is Christmas it's time. Time for Christmas songs. It's also freaking cold. Oh, the weather outside is Freaking cold. Yeah, it is. It it's freaking really cold. cold. Yeah. I know I've said that a couple times, but it's just because... Is it I cold? I don't like being cold. Is it, is it I cold? don't like it. I like having cold and then wrapping in blankets and then not being cold but being cozy. I like that cold leads to cozy, but cold doesn't always lead to cozy. Yeah. Like when you have to leave your house and go to work and then it's not cozy, it's just cold. I hate it. It's awful. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me how you really feel about about the weather. I am in you a warm climate area, and I should be warm there. So do you want to talk about some comics? I mean, I guess that's why we're here, right? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know why we're here anymore. All right. So what did you read this week? It was a huge week for Batman. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, if you prefer your Batman's damned, laughing, smothered, recovered, you were set. <laughs> um, Damn it, now I want hash browns. <laughs> bat browns. Uh, so, three Batman books that I read, and I hate myself for it because apparently... There, there were four, I knew there were four Batman books, but I haven't been keeping up with Detective Comics. Right. Just, admittedly, I haven't been picking it up. And apparently, Detective this week was awesome and integrated with the other three super well, so that sucks. But I read Batman Who Laughs, uh, Batman Damn number two, and the Batman Annual number three that came out this week. I did read Batman Damn too. Yeah. Super cool. And what I like about it is all three were great reads. If you're looking for something Batman-y, definitely pick them up. Batman Who Laughs number one is out, and it's going to be a bananas book. I'm really excited to see where they go with it. What I liked about reading all three of those is we were presented with kind of the holy trinity of different Batmans. Mm-hmm. You know, in the annual, it's very heartfelt. So we got this Batman who has a heart and is still kind of just that kid in the alleyway. You know, like very personable Batman. Tender. Yeah, tender Batman. <laughs> um, in Batman Damned, you get the, like, gruff, you know, really hardcore, really badass. Tenderizing. Tenderizing Batman. Batman. <laughs> <laughs> and in Batman Who Laughs, you get a Batman who's looking for a date, so you get the tender Batman. Oh. No, okay, that was actually pretty good. No. I'll give you, but, I'll, I'll no, give you it, that. Not really. Um, Batman Who Laughs, you get the Batman who is, like, really stressed out trying to figure out a mystery, trying to deal with, like, the next big world cataclysmic thing. And this is throughout, like, different people writing Batman, different stories about Batman. We see all three of these kind of interchangeably. Right. So it's cool to see three books coming out in one week that have each a different... Because, you know, you're, uh, like, Frank Miller, Dark Knight, Batman is more of the, like, punchy, really beat the crap out of people, Batman. And um, even in White Knight that came out recently, like, yeah. that's very much that type of Batman. Very true. 
And then, you know, the whole saga with Catwoman and a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of times when he makes guest appearances in books, he's more of that, like, heartfelt, like, wizened old teacher type Batman and uh, all about family and stuff. Um, Like, his appearances in Batman and The Signal were very much that way. He was, like, kind of a father figure. Then everywhere else you have this Batman who's just, like, drastically trying to solve the next thing. And that's like, you know, Dark Knight's Metal and pretty much everything else Batman's in. So it's <laughs> it's really cool seeing, like, having those literally laid out in front of you and having the three different Batmans and seeing how he's such a varied character depending on who writes him. I feel like everybody has an idea of what makes Batman Batman, you know? And it's, they all take it to the extreme. That makes um, sense. I mean, Batman's one of those characters that in Western culture, y- you know Batman from the beginning. Like, yeah. I would not be surprised if you took a poll and it was like, what are people's first words? Like, I'm sure Batman's involved yeah. for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, like Somewhere there's some baby who's like, Batman. Yeah, you know? Like, uh-huh. like, there's an online joke that talks about how you should name your kid Gotham because then you can roll over and look at your husband and tell him that Gotham needs him. And then you never have to get up with the baby in the middle <clears> of the night. Like, it's a very prevalent character. My God. I know genius. it's genius, right? I, I agree. I thought that was pretty genius. I was impressed, Internet. Well, yeah, so all three of those are worth a pickup, in my opinion. Awesome. I also picked up a very important DC book. I picked up the most recent Superman, Superman number six, because, as we know, I am a Bendis boo. That's what I'm calling Bendis us. Bendis boo. I, I, Bendis is my boo, so I am a Bendis boo. Boondis? No, that sounds weird. B- maybe Bane-dis? No, that's too much like Bane. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. No, you're ruining it. I liked how I had it. Anyway, so I have to do some spoilering. I apologize. If you, if you have not read it yet, or you're trying to get caught up, turn away. Mute us Run. for just a short Run bit. For the hills. I promise I won't spoil forever. Turn but... it over to a competent podcast. Oh, burn. <laughs> but I have to do some spoiling because this was super important. The last page, super. I won't even I won't e- Dang it. I won't <laughs> even spoil what happens in the actual like meat of the comic, which it was great. Bendis' writing is stellar and I like what how they resolved the Rogel is our situation, but the the part that is important is this last panel on the last page where boom, all of a sudden Crypto we have, no, no Super Boy. Super good boy, crypto. <sighs> no? No. Oh. Well, fine. Continue with your thing. No, now I'm just disappointed because... That it wasn't crypto? That it wasn't crypto. (laughs) That would have been awesome. Anywho, it was Superboy, it was Superboy. So, previously in the comic, um, Superboy went off into the galaxy and the universe with his grandpa, who is back because Dr. Manhattan... Yes, because Dr. Manhattan made it so because why not let's mess with Superman. So, wait, hold on. Um, has Dr. Manhattan been, like, popping up in mm-hmm. the Superman books? Uh, no. So. We just know this. Okay. That would be cool if he, like. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't come back. I soon. mean, they got the whole Doomsday Clock thing going on. Well, and I think that's how we know that he's. With the he's rate, that's messing coming. with. Yeah, I mean, with the rate that's coming out, it's not going to be done until, like, 2040. So. <laughs> I think. But anyway, so apparently Dr. Manhattan is messing with Superman, and that's how his daddy's around. And his daddy took his son and Lois out into the wild black yonder. And on the very last page, Superboy comes back, but he is no longer this precious little preteen. He is now full-on big old teenage man. Hmm. And it is weird. He was only supposed to have been gone for a year. And the reason why this is weird is because he looking a whole lot like Superboy Prime. What? For people who don't know, Superboy Prime is kind of a weird fan favorite character. It's basically a version of Superman from an alternate dimension where superheroes aren't real and all of the superhero characters were in like books and stuff. 
And he got pulled out and basically thought he was supposed to be, like, the savior of the world, of the universe, of everything. And it drove him bananas. So it's like like a last action hero with Superboy. (laughs) Yes. Except it made him a murderous psychotic. Oh, fan favorite. Cool. I mean, everybody loves them some murderous psychopath. Yeah, true. I mean... Look at Deadpool. Deadpool. <laughs> it's it's kind of a shtick, and yeah. people really like that shtick. But um, so there had been a lot of talk for a while. There'd been some weird Reddit discussion about how Superboy so, Prime's coming back. So Reddit discussion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So everybody was talking about how Reddit or on Reddit about how Superboy Prime is coming back and it's going to be a thing. And everyone was like, no, that's stupid. That doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, everybody forgot that Bendis does what Bendis wants. For Bendis. Bendis in his, like, I don't know. I don't even know how many issues he's had on control of Superman at this point. But almost all of them, he's been like, I'm going to have this character in this comic just because I haven't gotten to write this character before. Mm Mm-hmm. They don't even serve much purpose, but I want to be able to say I wrote Batman. And so he did. And then he wrote, you know, Zod, and then he wrote Random Rosar, and then there's just anybody he could pull in. He's like, hey, I'm Bendis, and I can do that. And they can't tell me no, because they need me, and they do. And Mm -hmm. I appreciate him, and I'm okay with it. But I'm very intrigued to see what happens with Superboy, maybe Prime, not Prime. Super John Prime? That's kind of what the ongoing Super discussion John is. Super John Prime. Saying. Yeah. Super John Prime. It's weird. That's a, that name rolls off the tongue. Super John Prime. He yeah. sounds like a rapper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like Soldier Boy. Super John Prime. Yeah. His, his next mi- his mixtape is dropping soon, I promise. Give it, give it time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'll be here shortly. So what else did you read? I also picked up, and I was super happy that I was able to go back and get the number one second print of this. I was able to find that. Uh, but the number two of a vault book, uh, These Savage Lands, came out. Okay. And um, it's so cool. It's uh, vampires from England. Okay. End up getting exiled to... Calcutta okay. to India. Interesting. And there's a character there who's a little bit more than what he seems, some sort of, like, mythological creature type thing going on. Interesting. And so they're going at odds with him, and now there's, like, a vampire hunter in the mix. And so I, I read both issues because I got the first one because um, I missed the first one, and then I heard about it online, and I was like, damn, that sounds stellar. And it's great. It's by Vault comics which is one of those kind of smaller imprints that but they had another book that i really liked called heathen um oh okay so from time to time when they have something interesting i'll pick it up check it out uh but super cool book if you can get your hands i'm a little worried i think the second print might be kind of going up in price maybe in like the ten dollar range but if you can get it it's worth it the second print of the number one has a really cool homage to uh to madracula oh Um, nice it's just a cool book. It's got cool art. It's got a cool concept. It's got that historical fiction thing going to it. Yeah, I really I really like that one. I love so. being able to support smaller publishers because I feel like it these, helps. These Savage Shores. I'm sorry. I messed up the name. It's These Savage Shores. Oh. Oh, good. Well, like I said, I really like supporting smaller publishers because I feel like it helps widen the voicing that you can get. Yeah, I mean, there's so many out these days. So... You know, understandably, you're not going to be able to support every single one. You know, you've got Vault, Black Mask, uh, Albatross, Antarctic Press. Uh, Jesus, so many more. I mean, you have the bigger ones. You've got IDW, Dark Horse, Image, Oni, um, those kind of guys. But you have so many coming out. And there's always more, like American Gothic and... um, God, there's just and even like, the scout big guys have and... smaller, like almost kind of like studios under yeah. them. Because you know, like Image has Top Cow, and DC's got 
like mm-hmm. Jinx World and so what like, I what I always what I always suggest to people too is you know go to your shop, pick up a previews from Diamond. Um, it's three ninety nine, gives you an idea of everything that's coming out in two months. Because some shops they don't like to order that stuff unless they know they're gonna sell it. Um, so your shop might carry mainly just mainstream stuff, or if they have you know a group of people that really buy up like more underground stuff, they might get in some like fantagraphic books from time to time, or they might get in some scout comics or something, but um, pick up a previews, flip through it. If something looks like an interesting concept, give it one issue, you know, go to your shop and say, Hey, I really want to get these Savage Shores, number one, you know? Um, And then two months from now, pick it up. And if you like it, keep getting it. If you don't, don't, but you know, shops order books two months out. So you want to be willing to commit to like two issues before you tell them like, hey, this was not as good as I wanted. Don't order it for me anymore. Because you don't want to stick them with issues they don't want to have. But um, And be prepared, though. I just want to say that previews books are can be overwhelming. They're super so just, daunting. So know um, what you're getting into because, before you pick up a previews. Because you <coughs> could pick it up and it could take you a while to get through that sucker. So. Yeah, I, I don't think a lot of people understand how many companies are coming out. But it's actually like... If you have the money and the time, it's not hard to start a comic book publishing thing. It's hard to keep it going. Um, but, you know, you can buy, you pay for the space in the previews. You pay for a factory, you know, a printer somewhere to print your books. You pay an artist. You pay a writer. Or you write it yourself. And then you got a comic. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if you have the ability to pay, 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 pay then you got a comic. So there are a lot of companies coming out and a lot of really small companies. And they definitely deserve your report, like your support. I'm not saying go out and buy every low-end indie book and support everybody cuz they got to have good ideas, they got to have good concepts, they got to have good art, they got to have good writers. But if something seems interesting to you, don't be afraid of it. Yeah. I think a lot of people are afraid like, "Oh, that's not Image or Marvel or DC." Ugh, you know, but there's some really solid, good books from these smaller imprints, and it's definitely worth checking out. Like Grumble, that I mentioned last week. Absolutely. Cool. Well, my next book is kind of a big deal for me. It's called Goddess Mode. It's under Vertigo, which is DC. It's really cool. The number one came out this week. It has a lot of setup. It's a very text-heavy book, but it's primarily dialogue or internal monologue, and it's about a girl who's kind of like a tech person, a tech mm-hmm. smart person, mm-hmm. and working for the biggest company in the world, kind of kind of Google on steroids. It's a super cool-looking book, too. It's yeah. uh, Robbie Rodriguez doing yeah, the art on that. Yeah, it's, it's really nice Co-creator looking. of Spider-Gwen, so it's got that like neon kind of proto-punk rock vibe to it. It's yeah, really cool. and it's got kind of like a... a twist toward the end and it's you know kind of fantasy but kind of not I I don't know it it looks really cool but the big thing that I am all about with this book is that it's actually written by Zoe Quinn um this is Zoe Quinn's first comic if you haven't heard that name the name you may have heard is Gamergate Zoe Quinn was the woman who kicked off on accident the whole Gamergate situation, um, when that whole situation went down, she was actively harassed and essentially abused and threatened and mistreated by the gamer community to no fault of her own, really. Um, All she did was make a good game, and she kind of got torn apart for it. What I think is so interesting and I'm so impressed by is that she has gone from a male-dominated industry in gaming that is often very volatile to another industry that is often male-dominated and can also be very volatile. I mean, just this year, we have had Comicsgate, which took its name from Gamergate Mm -hmm. because it's a very similar mindset. And... She went from one deep end of the pool to the other deep end of the pool and is doing her thing anyway. I mean, she didn't have to get into comics. She could have done anything. I mean, she's done her own, you know, biography. Like, 
she's impressive, she's talented, she does good work. And I'm so excited that she's bringing her voice to comics because I think it's so needed to have these different perspectives and these different opinions and these different voices represented. And I just think, I just think it's really brave yeah. to go out there and put yourself out there. And in a Vertigo title, like, it says a lot, in my mm -hmm. opinion. And I, I just think we should give her some credit and give her some support. Yeah, it looks bravo. like a really cool book. So I definitely, I recommend going and picking up the first one. Definitely pick it up. Definitely support it. I mean, it's, you know, that kind of direction is where you got to go when you're dealing with these kind of shit fans. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Everyone has them, you know, like every... Fan culture base, fan base yeah. has these toxic fans i mean you see what happened to the poor actress who played rose on in the most recent star wars movie and you know i always tell people it's an important distinction between you're allowed to have your opinions as a fan and it's good to have your opinions as a fan and you know i am not you know ever going to shy away from telling people how i feel about the most recent star wars movies but should that be directed as some sort of hatred or anger towards the people involved in those? No. no. Should I feel attacked or personally violated because it wasn't the way I wanted it to be? No. no. Should, you know, in the case of Gamergate, um, you know, should I feel like a woman's place in the gaming industry is somehow something I need to challenge? No. no. It, 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 none of this matters enough to it's it's all in the end a bunch of people wanting to relate and connect connect through these fictional worlds through this art through the stories and the magic that they allow us to feel and when we get angry about it or like passionate about it i mean even talking to you sometimes i you don't get like angry or violent but like when you're theorizing about stories you'll get like so wrapped up that it's like dude you need to tone it down <laughs> I, do. I get um, really into it you guys <laughs> because we have this we have this passion and sometimes that passion can come out in less than constructive ways right and it's not good you know and we're not the only ones like this isn't a new thing i'm sure back in renaissance painting days there was people like teabagging each other over was Leonardo or Michelangelo better, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, I think one thing that just has Doric to be or Ionic. Is it Ionic? Yes. Columns. Man, you really pulled that one out of nowhere. I am I'm impressed. Yeah, right. You know things. I mean, I've always been a Corinthian fan myself, <sighs> person. Jeezy crazy. <laughs> the thing that needs to be said... Because I think this is the, I, the the pinnacle of all of these issues that people don't think about and don't realize. And it's super important and needs to be said. Nobody owns comics. Yeah. Nobody owns video games. Mm -hmm. Nobody owns movies. Mm -hmm. Nobody owns Star Wars. Nobody owns these ideas. Mm -hmm. They are ideas. They are concepts. They are entertainment mediums. Mm -hmm. Nobody can own them and control them and decide their ultimate fate. It it's, is for everyone. What it boils down to, I think, for a lot of people is that they want it to be the exact way that they want it to be. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my message to people like that is if you want to see a fictional world follow the path you want it to and you want to see the things happen that you want it to then write that's so true you know like if you want a character to do what you want them to do the only way you can do that is by writing them yep you know you can't be like i'm super pissed that harry ended up with jenny because <laughs> what the f <laughs> if you want a little nerdy wizard to end up with a clumsy redheaded male wizard like everyone else did. <laughs> it would have worked better than him and Hermione. Then you write that. 
and you can do it as fan fiction like fan fiction is a thing it's a great outlet for people i haven't personally done it talked to plenty of people that do it and they love it because it gives them the ability to really like dive into sections of characters that they felt like didn't get a lot of cred i did it in high school <clears throat> oh really yeah i didn't do it a lot because i was more i've always been more of poetry like spice girls fan fiction if I wrote anything, it would have been Backstreet Boys. No, <laughs> but no, because I, I was very into like anime and manga and stuff yeah. in high school. And that really opens it, itself up to a lot of fan fiction. Yeah. And so I did a lot of fan fiction in, in high school. I was more, um, I, I didn't do it a ton because like I said, I was more into poetry, but I did do it quite a bit. And it's fun. It's fun mm. to be able to see something that you've always wanted happen, happen. <laughs> At the end of the day, you know, we have these toxic fans. They exist. And they're going to be hard to root out. I don't think they'll ever stop existing in different cultures. So it's the job of good fans or other fans, people who want to see these communities continue to thrive and grow, which only happens by increasing their diversity. It's the job of those people to remind the creators and the people willing to dive in and step in, like Zoe Quinn, to remind them, hey, we're not all like that, you know? So get out, support Goddess Mode. I read it too. It's awesome. It's I real good, love it. It's, once again, I've mentioned this in the past, it like mixes technology and demony stuff. And I love that when supernatural stuff is like also sci fi. But beautiful book, super neon y, really cool, really well written for a first. It's very text heavy, but really well written for a first like foray foray into comics so check it out and you know give positive support to people that you care about in these industries now on to the news do you have a uh, song <laughs> no i don't have a song. fail news. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know you put me on the spot here ma'am I don't do get some... I don't get news by Bing. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, no, I got nothing. All right, all right, I'll forgive you this time. You better come better prepared next time, though. I'm dreaming of a news segment. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. That's all there I got. it is, you guys. So you we have you have trailers you want to talk about, right? Uh, yeah. Yes, there was I do. Some smallish trailers. Yeah, not not hugely important. Yeah, nothing big. And not like not that big. I'm just yeah. kidding. Endgame happened and everyone's mind exploded. Oh my god. Obviously, okay. So after watching it about seventeen thousand ish times, I think the most telling bit, which the problem with this trailer is that I posted on our Facebook page a bingo card and like none of the bingo part pieces happened. Yeah, I'm bummed about that. They showed like nothing and which is great. Like I appreciate going in kind of blind, but I think the most telling part of the whole trailer is for a split second when Captain America looks at a picture of his love who has passed away mm -hmm. because I think, I think what's going to happen. Here's, here's, here's T theorizing. Ding. What's going to happen is that it's all about time travel. <gasps> it's how we're going to deal with Captain I, Marvel being uh, in the nineties. I hope it's not. It though. totally is, but uh, it's not going to be just like, yo, we're using the time stone. It's, uh, it's going to be tied into the quantum it's realm. It's going to be tied into no. Ant-Man. No. It's going to be, because why else would he be looking at that picture? He's totally looking at it like, because should I go back in time? No, he's looking at it because he lost a person he cares about, so he knows what that's like. No, it's totally, he's trying to Ugh. decide if he's going to go back to her or not. I hope not. It's totally what it is. Uh, but the best part, so that's that's what I think is the most telling part. The best part is Ronan. Yeah, I'm, I'm pumped about Ronan. Um, I knew, like, I called that one. I was excited about that. I was like, Hawkeye's going to be in the next one. Swish. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's going to be all badass and Ronan-y because his family got snapped. I liked the trailer. I liked that they didn't give too much away. I hope that stays the course. I hope they don't have, like, a TV spot trailer 2 
that shows like them talking to Thanos. I really want to go into this movie. I think this movie, because the last one was so epic and so like heart wrenching, I feel like the less we know about this movie, the, the better. better for it. Um, because I feel like if we know too much, it's going to take away the any impact. any shock and awe that gets taken away is going to make this have trouble standing up to the, the first previous part. one. Yeah. Um, but I'm excited. I'm excited that it's going to focus a lot on Scott. Um, somebody mentioned on Reddit, and I am also really excited about this. We get to have a Scott witnesses rocket raccoon for the first time moment. Oh, my God. That's going to be awesome. I feel like that's going to be really funny. But I don't know. I am pumped, as always. The other trailer that happened this week kind of, is one we didn't get to see. I mean, unless you're in Brazil. Which I am not in Brazil, so I'm just sitting here pouting. <laughs> and that's the Spider-Man Far From Home. Um, I, they, if you don't know, they previewed it at Comic-Con Brazil. Um, they basically want, Marvel wanted to say, hey, we appreciate you coming out and showing your fandom and repping. And so we're going to give you this trailer and we're not going to show anybody else. They have announced, I guess officially as of today, that they're going to premiere the trailer next week. Neat. Um, I'm thinking probably Tuesday. They like Tuesdays. So that should be interesting. A lot of people are saying that based on the, the, the hush, hushed whispers from Brazil, that... It doesn't reference or talk about or have any connection to Endgame at all, which yeah. I think was necessary. They're, they're but not it's gonna. weird. And I I had previously been really kind of upset that they were going to do the pre the trailer for this movie so soon because I feel like it does kind of ruin some of the impact of Endgame. But I read a really smart thing online that explained why it's happening this way. Marvel wouldn't have done this movie quite as quickly behind Endgame mm-hmm. if they had the choice. And they certainly wouldn't have started marketing it at the exact same time. But technically, Sony is still in control of all the marketing rights and a mm-hmm. lot of the back end. Mm-hmm. So Sony doesn't give a crap about what Avengers is doing, because even though it's part of the larger IP, they're mostly focused on what's going to make their title money. So that's why they're already doing marketing for it. So once I heard that and I realized that it was less Marvel just, like, throwing trailers at us to distract us or whatever, I and, and that it's more of a marketing studio conflict... I became much more okay with it. Mm. That makes a lot more sense. I think it makes sense, too, because Peter's role in Infinity War was really one of the most, like, telling and impactful. You know, like, his jumping up to, like, really super different than what he had dealt with. You know what I mean? Like, and then he got snapped and had that scene, which tore everyone's guts out. So I think it makes sense to have him kind of be so closely following up in-game, you know? I, I think it'll work. I'm excited about both. Hopefully next week we'll have more to talk about with Spider-Man. Yeah. I have heard the one rumor I will say, because it I have to say with a question, I'm not going to elaborate on it, is just Hydro Man? Hmm. Okay. Anyway. Hmm. So I wanted to talk about a couple things. Um, the first thing is, have you seen any updates about Alan Moore's new movie? No. This thing sounds awesome. <laughs> it's like super Alan Moore-y. Okay, like super cool. Alan E. Moore. I'm already uh, it. It's called The Show. The I saw a production still of it today, which was Alan Moore dressed in like a bright blue suit, painted gold, playing a ukulele on the moon. Uh, or on a moon. Anyway, it's what? filmed. Yeah, oh, it, it sounds what? awesome. It's filmed in Northampton, which is his hometown and okay. cast includes i guess the lead is uh, an actor named tom burke who was in a bbc adaptation of war and peace and the musketeers um okay. so pretty hardcore 
you know, renowned British actor. Let me pull up the synopsis for BBC this thing. BBC Theater. Cool. Yeah. I'm digging it. Uh, it's, oh man. <laughs> Let me just pull up the synopsis. Hold on. So he, you know, wants to make it like really hardcore, really high quality. He's mentioned that like he wants there to be like no throwaway characters, no throwaway dialogue. Like everything's going to matter. Jeez. Um, oh, here is the official plot description. Okay. okay. Are you ready for this? I, maybe not, but I'm, <clears throat> I'm excited. A frighteningly focused man of many talents, passports, and identities arrives at England's broken heart, a haunted Midlands town that has collapsed to a black hole of dreams, only to find that this new territory is at least as strange and dangerous as he is. Attempting to locate a certain person and a certain artifact for his insistent client, he finds himself sinking in a quicksand twilight world of dead Lotharios, comatose sleeping beauties, voodoo gangsters, masked in adventurers, unlikely 1930s private eyes, and violent chiaroscuro women. Which I have no idea what that word is, admittedly. I do not. Um, and this is Northampton when it's still awake. Once the town closes its eyes, there is another world entirely going on beneath the twitching lids. A world of glittering and sinister delirium much worse than any social or economic devastation. Welcome to the British Nightmare, with its gorgeous flesh, its tinsel, and its luminous light. Entertainment monsters. Its hallucinatory austerity. Welcome to the show. Right? Oh my god. I am hell? so pumped. So, you know, the general... There's a lot going on in yeah, that. The general uh, too long didn't listen is... <laughs> uh, he's a dude. Yep. Gets hired by another dude. Yep. Or dude it. I don't know. To find an artifact. Dude and has can be to, ungendered. Has to deal with, like, whimsical, fantastic people. It sounds... Pretty abstract and kind of postmodern. I'm hoping it's kind of a la like The Crying of Lot 49 by Thomas Pynchon, where it's like super. Yeah, 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 yeah. Postmodern person walking through the world, weird shit happening around him. Kind of makes me think <clears throat> of like the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. How it's just sort of like bizarre. It's gonna be cool. I am pumped for that it's gonna be super alan moore tastic he's got a, there's a handful of interviews with him out on the internet you can look him up um he talks about what sort of content he wants to give to it but it seems like he's putting a lot of what he's done over the years um a lot of the different angles he's taken with you know uh linguistics and with imagery and wordplay and stuff and really like throwing it all at the wall here so should be pretty sick i am pumped it sounds it sounds interesting at the very least. I I don't have any idea of what to expect. The synopsis itself sounds I think that's great. But just crazy. Yeah, but. not not knowing what to expect. I think that's how you have to go into it. Uh last thing I wanted to talk about is actually it happened this week. It's not like super new, I guess. Well, I guess it is. Um so DC Black Label, they're Grown up, but yeah, they're mature <laughs> direction. So far, the only thing they have out right now is Batman Damned, which um, is great, which is awesome. And we'll get into other details about that in a second. Um, they had a bunch of stuff announced, like a Frank Miller Superman book, and uh, I think Kelly Sue DeConnick was gonna get on a Wonder Woman book, and Ooh. um, Greg Ruka, I think, was gonna do a Lois Lane book? Uh, but there was a lot of stuff that got announced but never solicited. Like, we haven't seen any of it. And then they solicited this book called Other History of the DC Universe, written by John Ridley, who is the Oscar winner for 12 Years a Slave. Um, and it was going to focus on superheroes that belong to disenfranchised groups. So the first issue was going to be five issues, different artists each issue. First issue was going to be Black Lightning. Um, and there was going to be, like, Katana was going to be involved, Renee Montoya was going to be involved, I think Supergirl was going to be involved. So it was going to focus on these types of superheroes and retell, I think, major events in the DC storyline, uh, DC timeline, 
from their perspective or, you know, see how, take a look at how, like, status quo changes and stuff, how it looked to them versus everybody else. That's awesome. Um, Canceled. (laughs) Are you kidding? Delayed indefinitely. Um, Still not solicited. I think some of the stuff I read (sighs) mentioned that it might be solicited at the earliest in March, but um, could potentially be canceled forever. Now, here's the Uh thing, is DC has this black label, and so they they start this up, and they announce it, and they announce all the stuff they want to do, and all the creators that are getting involved, and it's all these, like, edgy, really, like, high-minded creators. And it sounds awesome. And it sounds badass, and then they put out Batman Damned, and there's a penis. And, un... And it's not, like, gratuitous or grotesque or anything. It's just a naked person in silhouette. And it happens to be Batman's penis. And mainstream media gets a hold of it. Like, uh, namely, Stephen Colbert was the big one. Seth Meyers, too. Um, And they make jokes about it and rag on it. And the news reports on it. And nobody really cares, but DC goes ballistic. And they push back the second issue of Batman Damned and the third issue. So the second one didn't come out until today, um, when the first one came out back in September. And they push the third one to March, and they edit the digital version of the first issue and to remove the penis. And they force Lee Bermejo, who does the art, and it's, it's perfect. Uh, he... Is doing so good in this book. Uh, they force him to apparently have to go back and repaint like four panels oh in God. the number two. It just it sets off this spark. And they got a new president recently. I didn't take the time to write down her name. I'm sorry. Um, they got a new president recently, and a lot of this is being like a lot of the blame is being kind of like put towards her. I don't know. I don't I don't know if it's one person to blame or a bunch of people to blame. Like is Jim Lee at fault here? Is the new president at fault? Um but overall it just sets like a really gross tone for where they're going. And then you have this the next step in this label, you know, this imprint getting canceled with very little talk about why. It's still kind of fresh, so maybe somebody will come out and say why it got pushed or what's going on. Um, but right now, all you have is Batman Damned, which is hyper-delayed. And then they took some mature things from the past, like White Knight, and I think the Dark Knight books, and they're labeling those as Black Label. So on newer trades, they'll have like the Black Label That's mark cheating. on them. And so you have like no new content. And it, it's just, it's odd to me how ridiculously hypersensitive DC's being about this when, you know, they would make so much money off of just reprinting that first one. And they are saying, no, we're not reprinting it. There's no plans to reprint it. Don't know if they're going to reprint it. Here's- they might just be waiting for a trade, but it's it's just bizarre. And it seems really blown out of the water. And I, um, if you're looking for a lot of really interesting details about it, um, check out Bleeding Cool. They have tons of articles. Like, honestly, they dedicated so much journalistic power to a wiener. I'm <laughs> really impressed. Um, not not since Bill Clinton has this much journalistic power gone to a wiener. Um, they have some cool articles, uh, a few highlights. They were talking to Chris Claremont, who was working at DC around the time that Superman got killed off back in the 90s. And he was talking about how they, it's a similar situation. They had a new president and the president got a call from Warner Brothers that was like, hey, what the F are you doing? You just killed off a major brand. And it, you know, the president got really ups, like upset. And there was some censorship stuff that came from that. This is very similar, so it's very possible that the Wiener made its appearance and Warner Brothers was like, what the hell? And there's another article they did that compare, where he talked about the similarities between something that happened on BBC Radio on Russell Brand's show 
Or no, not Russell Brand show. Russell Brand was on a show. Okay. Um, I forget who the host was. Damn, I should have wrote this down. Um, but anyway, they were trying to call this actor, and I guess Russell Brand at one point dated this actor's granddaughter. <laughs> and they couldn't get the actor on the phone, so they were making a lot of like crass jokes, I think, about it. He didn't give details about what it was, and obviously I didn't listen to it. So, But that resulted in the BBC apparently like super cracking down on live comedy and like Russell quit the show and their like head producer of the show quit and the guy ended up losing his show and it got canceled and then the BBC like all over their stations and TV and everything they were like really cracking down on censorship and it's very similar like if you look at it it's very similar to what's happening here and DC was in this interesting place where they were using like in the comics they were saying like bullshit and not like doing the symbols and stuff like that in non-mature titles. So they were really opening up to, I mean, you could turn on FX and here you get like FX or sci-fi, you get like one F word. An episode. An episode. You know what I mean? So like censorship has died down, but now everyone's kind of worried that this one bit of controversy, which is really only controversy in DC, is going to cause like a massive censorship crackdown so like they're gonna crack down on violent things or dark topics and that could be why we haven't seen any other black label stuff come out because it's very possible that those creators those high-minded creators like matt fraction and like um greg ruka and kelly sudaconic and frank miller and brian azarello um are like whoa Mm -hmm. No, no, we don't want our want our vision touched stepped and stepped on. But then the the weird kind of turnabout of this is like two days ago, there's rumors floating around that Matt Fraction's going to be doing a Lex Luthor book for Black Label. Yeah. So like, is it done? Are they gonna like? Is Matt Fraction going to do a Black Label book and it's only going to be a Black Label book because he says the f word once? Like, right. how are we going to get this? You know, it's like how um, you know, Deadpool is a parental guidance book for Marvel and they still bleep out every single bit of swear words. There's no nudity. It's just, you know, haha, Deadpool's arm got ripped off. So is it going to be like that? Is it now, you know, we're going to cut down on the swearing and cut down, which it's not to say that that stuff gives it quality, but if it's the artist's vision to have that stuff in there, at what point does the censorship become restrictive? Here's, what bothers me about this whole thing. You've got characters like Wonder Woman, who originated from Bondage comics. You have characters like Harley Quinn, who originated from domestic violence and ongoing spousal abuse. You, and yet Batman's penis, not in a sexual connotation, but in a Purely anatomical, 50% of the population has one. You, you know, see them on charts at the doctor's office. A penis is briefly shown in a comic book and all hell breaks loose. So what you're saying is that it's okay to lose your bananas over the reveal of an anatomically correct, non-sexualized body Mm -hmm. part. But this other stuff is totally fine for public child consumption Mm -hmm. yeah yeah okay that makes sense that's fair that's smart yo and you know hot (laughs) hot take uh if it was wonder woman's boobs wouldn't nobody would have cared wouldn't be hearing about it nobody would have cared anyway that's all i want to say about it i think it's really interesting i hope black label doesn't fail because i love batman damned and i was super excited and they're these cool big magazine size issues and they've got great art and great stories that could be told Um, So I really hope, and I just hope that it doesn't set off like a trickle down of censorship across DC. Like, I I think they need to just stand by their guns and be like, you know what? We said mature title. Like, if someone wants to make a controversy like, oh, my little Timmy read this, don't let them freaking read it. It's a mature title. Yeah. You know, like, if little Timmy comes in and grabs a boundless comic off a rack, it's up to the parent and the people selling the comics to be like, no, little Timmy, you can't have this. 
It's the same thing with anything that's marked as like parental guidance or mature. The people that are feeling the controversy from it shouldn't have access to it. If you you get mad because your kid sees a sex scene while watching a rated R film, it's your fault that your kid was watching a rated R film. You knew what you were getting yourself into. When I was a kid, my mom sent me upstairs while she sat downstairs and watched Nip Tuck. Yeah. And blushed. (laughs) I watched that show as I'd come down to get a snack and she's just sweating and blushing. (laughs) Dad's laughing. (laughs) That was a great show. That was that was old school Ryan Murphy mm-hmm. before he was tainted by yeah, Hollywood. <laughs> hopefully DC, don't panic. Don't go like full Big Brother and start censoring everything. Just let it ride. Like this is the art. You did a mature thing. Keep doing mature things. Just like let it happen. No one who read it cared. All right. So the last segment we're gonna do is our holiday gift guide for the underground the indie the other (laughs) the everything else (laughs) the things that aren't marvel and aren't dc but are still awesome lots of choices lots of choices so i narrowed mine down to three okay technically four the first one i want to just briefly say you've heard us talk about infidel previously it's an amazing book it's probably my favorite of the year it is in trade paperback it's 16.99 Anyone you know who is interested in horror or political commentary or really good writing, (laughs) Mm -hmm. this is that book. Mm -hmm. Get them this book. Very good. I I have already bought it for like two or three people in my life because I'm like, you need to read this. She just hands them out to people on the street. I would be that crazy pamphlet person. Yeah, she's like, do you have a moment to talk about infidel? And then I get put on a FBI list. Yeah, yeah. and then people are like, oh, no. It's a new cult in town. Yeah, my bad. My bad. But the three that I primarily wanted to mention, so one that is a really great book. It's a little bit older. It actually came out last year, 2017. It does an amazing job of mixing genres. It's got fantasy, medieval era stuff. It's got some technology stuff going on. It's got aliens. It's got everything you could possibly want in a book. And it's also incredibly well-written and emotionally taxing. (laughs) And it's called Lake of Fire. Ooh, yep. It is one of the most powerful books I have ever read. It covers all these genres, but I feel like it can't be contained by a genre because I feel like the writing and the emotional connection you have to the people in the book is just incredibly powerful the other the next thing i wanted to say was a lot of people are really getting into the chilling adventures of sabrina tv show that's been Mm -hmm. on netflix um i watched it it wasn't my favorite thing ever um i enjoyed it i thought it was a little light um Mm -hmm. but the reason i thought it was a little light was because i had originally read the comic and the first uh trade paperback of chilling adventures of sabrina is out and if you know someone who liked the show get them this book because Mm -hmm. it is it is wonderful the art is fantastic if you see in the beginning of the show they show kind of in the like intro bit the art from the actual comic like one of the images they flash on the screen was actually one of the covers and it's beautiful yeah i love the art in those books and the writing is much darker much more twisted much more creepy i mean they Mm. do draw a lot in the show but there's some stuff that couldn't go toward and (laughs) so they did it in the comic and it is intense and weird and gross and great um the last thing that i wanted to mention i love the art and everything from benitez and his mm-hmm. primary IP is Lady Mechanica. And if you haven't heard of Lady Mechanica, she's like a steampunk cyborg in Victorian England. Nice. Yeah. And it's spectacular. And the writing is always good and interesting. And sometimes they take her to other places in the world. There was one that was La Dia de los Muertos. And she's like helping out this small Mexican village. And it's 
it's beautiful art. I mean, it's some of the most beautiful art, in my opinion, in comics. And the coloring is great, and the sketching is great, and the story is great, and the character is great. <laughs> and I know, I'm rambling. It's great! It's great! Well, on the Lady Mechanica site, on Benita's site, is everything you could possibly want Lady Mechanica. Mm. He's got metal covers. Yeah, he... He's got metal prints. He's got regular prints. Moichandising. He's got sketches. Yeah. He's got big hardcover books. He's got coloring books. And I will say, I have one of the coloring books, and it's His art's really fabulous. cool. To, yeah, it's got that whole steampunk stuff. Yeah, it yeah, is yeah. awesome. Really and there's cool anything you could want. So if you know somebody who just really likes something pretty... This stuff is very pretty. Oh, pretty. It's it's there's a lot of options there. So that's my recommendation. Nice. For my side of it, obviously there's a ton ton that you can bring in. Um I mean we talked earlier in this episode about all the different small indie presses and stuff. Um so I tried to break it down into genres that if you know somebody who's a fan of blank you should get them blank. So, um, like, if you know somebody who's a fan of more social-pointed stuff, and I probably just have this on the brain because I talked about it in an earlier episode, but I'm going to say Persepolis um, by uh, Marjani Satrapi. Uh, Really, really good book. Great graphic novel. Uh, There was even a film, like an animated film. Mm -hmm. Uh, Super good. Get that one. You can get it for like 17 to 25 bucks, the complete graphic novel. Uh, If you like somebody, or if you know somebody who likes horror, um, I'm going to say Neonomicon by my boy Alan Moore. Um, (laughs) On a bit of a Moore kick, eh? Yeah. (laughs) I love that weird British warlock. Uh,. 20 bucks for that one. You can also pick up the sequel, which is Providence. Uh, That's also a good read. If they're into crime and noir stuff, one of my absolute anything by Ed Brubaker. Um, But I'm going to go with Fade Out because they just came out with a complete collection of that for $25, which is super stellar for the amount of stuff that you get in that. Beautiful. It's, you know, set in, I think, like 50s Hollywood Um, crime drama. Really good. If they're into superhero-y stuff, I highly recommend Jupiter's Legacy by Mark Millar. Uh, volume 1 runs for 10 bucks because it's an image first. Gotta love those image firsts. Uh, and Volume 2 runs for $17. It's Is... a great kind of dark, watch many type look at uh, superheroes, but their power level is, like, extreme, and it's really cool. Do we know if... There are plans to make that part of the Malarverse on Netflix. Maybe I imagine they would. It deserves it. It's one of my favorite. It's one of my favorite superhero books, and definitely my favorite Mark Millar book. So we'll hear um, that people. If you get them this book, maybe yeah. they'll be ahead of the Netflix curve, and that always feels real good. <clears throat> um, if they're into fantasy or like mythology stuff, I mentioned this one earlier. Heathen um, from Vault comics it is written by and i apologize ahead of time if i pronounce this wrong but i'm going to pronounce it like it looks and it looks very italian so it is by (laughs) natasha alterici (laughs) sorry italian listeners i offended every one of you um 16 for the trade it's slow coming out it's not done um i don't think it got canceled i imagine she still wants to do it I need to look if she's got, like, a Patreon or a Kickstarter to get this off the ground. I highly recommend everybody support it because it's super cool read. It's just really fun. Um, and finally, if they're into science fiction, Trees by Warren Ellis. Um, this will not be the last time you hear me talk about this book. Volume <laughs> 1 is $15. Volume 2 is $13. That's where it ends. Uh, but the story's not over. Warren, I hate you for that. Um... <laughs> Great read. It's a alien invasion book that focuses more on how people would react to aliens invading as opposed to the aliens actually, like, jumping out of their ships and shooting people. Hmm. In fact, the aliens land and do nothing, and that's where the story happens. Oh, so confusing. it's really cool. That's cool. Um, so those are my picks based on genre for anything that's not, like, Marvel DC. Nice. Well, I think that's a wrap. Yeah. 
is. I'm to go excited. Get in a blanket cocoon. Oh my god, you guys, it's still and, cold. Yeah, it's freezing. We're gonna have to take down my blanket for it, and then I'm gonna be cold again. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for joining us. If you want more Cover B, follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Cover B Podcast. You can listen to us anywhere, anytime, on any of your devices. Mm-hmm. Just visit our website coverbpodcast.weebly.com shoot us questions if you have anything you want us to talk about shoot us ideas um feel free to interact with us uh check us out on instagram uh i haven't been posting as much as i should but i post every day but it's all cosplay because i'm a nerd nerd whatever it's great you'll love it come find me wink wink uh so everybody stay tuned for next week for our next episode of cover b Have a good one, guys. Stay warm.